the grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. Prophecy on the gridiron, from Super Bowl to Super Hope. Sean and I discuss this and more today on The Grid. Midwest Glass and Mirror is a full-service glass and mirror company. Located in Stevensville, Michigan, this company serves both residential and commercial customers in Southwest Michigan and Indiana. In business for over 30 years, they are the glass and mirror industry leader and are trusted by homeowners, property managers, and commercial clients. Their mission is to exceed your expectations by delivering top-notch professionalism, integrity, and craftsmanship. I know one of the partners personally, and I can assure you he is a man of faith, a patriot, and loves God and country. He's a great example of American small business success due to hard work and an expert craft. Call 269-428-4464 or visit MidwestGlass.com today and ask how they can help you. Again, that's MidwestGlass.com or call 269-428-4464. Be sure to mention that you're a Kingdom Patriot. In order to expand our audience to like-minded believers and patriots, you have to tell them about us. How do you do that? I'm so glad you asked. Right now, in this moment, hit that follow button on your podcast and give us a five-star rating. Tell your friends and your neighbors about this community. Share any episode on your social media. If you feel compelled to share that photo of little Johnny who fell in a puddle, then surely sharing an episode of The Grid is just as easy. Help us today. Tell others about the Kingdom Patriot Group and this podcast, The Grid. What has been happening in the news this past week? Well, for starters, John Durham reported that CIA found data alleging Trump-Russia connection was not technically plausible and was, quote, user-created. You know, once you get past all the bombastic behavior, thin skin, sometimes childlike behavior, you at times find that Trump was absolutely right. And in this case, he claimed over and over that he was spied on. You know what? Turns out he was right. Private firms working with the Clinton campaign hooked up with researchers who had proprietary access to certain data. These firms then mined internet data from Trump Tower, from Trump's Manhattan apartment, both in 2016, and even it continued in the executive office of the president in 2017. This data was aggregated, and then the pieces that could be used to concoct a narrative were parsed and assembled, and then delivered to federal law enforcement via the FBI and CA, and what today is known as the Steele dossier. None of this comes to light if Attorney General Barr doesn't make a brilliant move by appointing John Durham as independent counsel looking for the source and origins of the Russia collusion fake news. By appointing Durham, it was assured that the investigation would continue no matter what, no matter who won or stole the 2020 presidential election. Turns out spying is okay if you're a Democrat and you don't like Trump. In other news, Elon Musk starts buying shares in Twitter. He accumulates 9.2% of the company, is going to become a board member. Then he's not a board member. Then he wants to buy the company, but now the poison pill abounds. What is the real story here? Do you remember Henry Ford's famous saying, you can have any color you want as long as it's black? Well, Elon Musk rightly recognizes that Twitter is nothing more than a progressive liberal social media platform that allows all posts, opinions, and tweets, so long as they agree with you, and approve. So he sets out to change it, and the best way to do that is to have a larger ownership in the company. 
Why did he not join the board after all? Well, because secretly but the board said he could only be a board member if he didn't buy more than if he agreed not to buy more than 15% of the shares of Twitter. And apparently that wasn't good enough for him because he has plans. In addition, I suspect there's also this idea of his fiduciary responsibility as a board member and having to look out for the best interest of the financial well-being of the company might end up conflicting with the need for free speech. So he declines. Now Twitter has enacted a poison pill that if Musk buys more than 15% of the shares of the company, a trigger will flood the market with additional shares that shareholders can buy at a discount. Well, everyone except for Musk, that is. He will not be allowed to buy at the discount. It's commonly known as a defense mechanism to prevent takeovers. Sometimes it's viewed actually as a sign of desperation and weakness. It won't prevent Musk from buying the company if he really wants it. But it will take it, it certainly will make it more expensive to do so. Musk has currently offered $54 a share for the company, and he says that's his final offer. But he's also publicly stated that he has a plan B. In all of this, the left is going hysterical over the fact that a billionaire is trying to buy a social media company. Uh, where were all of these freedom crusaders when Zuckerberg was making a fortune on Facebook and censoring conservative groups? Well, what about Jeff Bezos buying the Washington Post? By the way, did you know Bezos and Amazon own, in addition to the Washington Post, MGM Studios, Twitch, Audible, Alexa, and IMDb? No, these billionaires are okay because they drink the Kool-Aid and march with the woke banner. There'll be more to come, but Elon Musk is not used to losing. I suspect he won't hear either. Time will tell. For this week's news and review, that's a wrap. Well, welcome, fellow patriots, and a special welcome to co-host Sean Griffin. Welcome, Sean. Hey, Chris. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, it is. You know, I, I just introduced you as a co-host, but I got to admit, this is probably going to be a little bit more like an interview than actual co-hosting. Groovy, baby. Before we get started, I feel like we need to set the stage. I know that we're going to be talking about a very specific prophecy today. But before we do that, I wanted to lay the stage by talking about three crazy biblical prophecies. Do I have a moment to uh, to share those? Dude, let's dive into it. All right, let's do so. So let's start with the first one, Jeremiah 19, verses 10 through 13. Then break the jar while those who go with you are watching and say to them, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I will smash this nation and this city, just as this potter's jar is smashed and cannot be repaired. They will bury the dead in Topheth until there is no more room. This is what I will do to this place and to those who live here, declares the Lord. I will make the city like Topheth. The houses in Jerusalem and those of the kings of Judah will be defiled like this place, Topheth. All the houses where they burned incense on the roofs to all the starry hosts and poured out drink offerings to other gods. And in fact, so if you read this, the Lord is literally telling Jeremiah, I want you to go out and basically throw a temper tantrum. I want you to take a jar and smash it in front of all the people who are watching. I think that would get my attention if I saw somebody do that on the steps of the courthouse or down at City Hall. Would that be a little shocking to you? Uh, yeah, I think it would be for sure. So let's go into the next one, Ezekiel 4, 12 through 13. Eat the food as you would a loaf of barley bread. Bake it in the sight of the people using human excrement for fuel. The Lord said, in this way, the people of Israel will eat defiled food among the nations where I will drive them. Okay, that doesn't sound like your run-of-the-mill prophecy. 
make sure you take human crap and make a fire out of it and cook food over it and do it in front of a lot of people to demonstrate that that food is defiled and that's exactly what's going to happen to his people. What do you think about that one? My appetite has left the building. That is for sure. Let's dive into Isaiah 20, verses 3 through 4. Then the Lord said, Just as my servant Isaiah has gone stripped and barefoot for three years, as a sign and portent against Egypt and Cush, so the king of Assyria will lead away stripped and barefoot the Egyptian captives and Cushite exiles, young and old, with buttocks bared to Egypt's shame. So the Lord literally is telling Isaiah, for three years, you're going to be walking around completely naked as a prophetic sign of what is going to happen to the Egyptians and the Cushite exiles. Now, I don't know about you, Sean, that's pretty weird. That's crazy, unless you live in Oregon. And then this kind of stuff probably happens every day. (laughs) I share these because these are crazy prophetic words that the Lord has given. And I would imagine at the time that Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah were walking these out, that the people thought they were nuts. And the reason I share that is because, Sean, you have a a prophecy to share today that you believe the Lord revealed to you. And what what do you call that? Fully clothed and listening to God. <laughs> okay, that's good. I, I meant what what is the title that you call this prophecy? Um, the Patriots win. The Patriots win, or the as I think you and I have referred to it when we've talked as the Patriot prophecy. Yes, yes. And for our listeners, the reason I started off with this is because it's not for me to judge. The validity of this prophecy. I think, you know, time will tell that. I think you would say the same. I'm going to ask you about that in a little bit. But what I wanted to know, as crazy as some of these things may sound, there is evidence in the Bible that the Lord talked to his people in crazy ways. And that's why we started the show off demonstrating that, in fact, God does do that. So when it comes to the Patriot prophecy, I have a couple questions about you before we jump in and actually hear what it is. Sure. Fire away. All right. Well, would you say that in the prophetic world, you've never made a mistake? No, I would not say that. Would you say that that it's perfect? That you've no. heard perfectly every time? Hearing is one thing, delivering is another. Oh, interpreting, interpreting is also another. There are three elements. There's hearing, there's uh, delivery, and there's interpretation. I, I appreciate that clarification. The reason I share that is because I don't think we're, we're here on this show saying this is absolutely what's going to happen. There's no chance of mistake, even though I totally believe that the Lord has revealed this to you. I, the reason I want to share that is I really appreciate people who take the approach that say, this is what I think the Lord has shared. And time will tell how it plays out. In fact, time is probably not the only thing. Um, when it comes to weighing a prophecy, Sean, how is it that you determine if it truly is from the Lord or not? Well, some real basics. First of all, Scripture tells us anything of the Spirit that we're supposed to test it. That's somewhere in Timothy. I've never been really good at addresses. John 3, 16, I've got that one down. But essentially, there's there are a number of ways, but there's three that are, are really, when it comes to weighing prophecy about future events, Okay, so we want to be more specific about that. We're talking about prophecy for future events. So for that, there's three in particular that really stand out. Scripture, does the message, the core of the message, does it violate Scripture? The second one is, does it glorify God? 
whatever the message is, does it glorify God? And then the third one, does it bear witness with the Holy Spirit? Basically, you often hear people say, I just have a check in my spirit about something. When you hear something and it doesn't set right with your spirit, we often use the phrase check. Is there a check in your spirit? Well, just the opposite is also something that comes into play when it comes to the prophetic or hearing something that you believe the Lord is sharing. And that is, does it resonate with your spirit? Does your spirit, man, do you sense an alignment with that? John the Baptist, when he was in his mother's womb, when he came into the presence of Mary, who was carrying baby Jesus, the scripture says that he leapt in her womb. He was already aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. He was already aware in the spirit, you know, here is the Messiah. He leapt in her womb. So three things, uh, again, scripture, does it violate scripture? Does the message violate scripture? Secondly, does it glorify God? And thirdly, does it bear witness with the Holy Spirit? If it lines up with scripture, if it glorifies God, if it bears witness with your spirit, it is very likely true. And then it's just going to be a matter of, you know, whatever it is, watching it come to pass, or if it's instructional, getting yourself lined up with it and preparing for whatever is going to come. I think that's a great explanation. I know sometimes people have touched on, well, if it comes true or not, that that's a test that is from God or not. The only reason I hesitate with that, at least as a soul uh, tester, is that I know the enemy works as well. And he is very gifted and skilled. And if the only measure that we had was whether somebody had a word and it came true, I truly believe that the enemy can work in the same way. But it will not do the other things you just mentioned. It will not glorify God. You will not have that connection to the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, this bears witness. So, for example, I just I think that people sometimes could be seeking the Lord out of their own selfish ambitions and hearing things that maybe are not of the Lord and calling it prophecy. And it even comes true. And you go, wow, does that display the love of Christ? Does that bear witness to the Holy Spirit? Does it violate scripture? And if you're just like, this is clearly not scriptural. And I really have a check in my spirit as I hear the person share that just because it came true does not mean it is from the Lord. And I think often of just how the enemy works. And I only say this as maybe a little bit of warning, but when we see Moses, how many times did he perform miracles in which the Egyptian magicians did something to mimic that? And on the surface, it would appear that they had the same connection to God when in reality, they, they did not. Mm, that's solid. That's really good. Nostradamus comes to mind. A lot of people in the mainstream media like to bring him up. And he's had a lot of vague things. And it's like, oh, could this be Nostradamus? Nostradamus was not trying to glorify God. He wasn't checking out his premonitions. He wasn't checking those with scripture. And he definitely didn't, didn't uh, check it out with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, for sure. All right, Sean, I'm excited. Uh, to. I want to jump into this Patriot Prophecy. I want to hear what you have to say. Our listeners want to hear what you have to say. But I want to lay a quick foundation. And that is this. We are in a time where I would say it is it is easy to be discouraged. We just spent the last three weeks talking about Christian nationalism and how if you're a believer and you try to stand up what's for right, you immediately get labeled in such a way to shut you up or shut you down. And it's caused Christians to cower and not express their opinion. And in other cases, it's caused Christians to react the opposite way and be so bold and so in your face that they almost do look like a Christian nationalist. It is so difficult to stand up for the word of God 
in a way that glorifies him and still be encouraged knowing that you have the world against you. Granted, Jesus did tell you that no servant is above his master. And if they persecuted Christ, they're going to persecute us. But nonetheless, I wanted to highlight the fact that we live in a time that can be discouraging. Even these prophecies that we discussed, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, even those prophecies were meant in many ways to warn the Israelites, to show them what was to come. And they were not, they were not fun prophecies. But what I'm excited about today is that you're going to share a prophecy that I think can bring hope. And I'm excited to hear about that. And I think it's no mistake that we didn't plan this, but it turns out that we're recording this on Good Friday, the day that begins the hope of all hope. So, Sean, I know that the Lord has given me different prophetic unctions, ideas, thoughts, words before in the past. And one thing I know in my own experience is that even though I got a word from the Lord, sometimes I had to wrestle with that and not really know what it meant. And I just had to chew on it. It just it wouldn't leave my thoughts. And I would just really wrestle with it for a period of time. Tell me about your experience. Well, with this particular one, probably almost two weeks looking at it as I was, you know, looking at who was playing and praying about the condition of the country. And it's like, Lord, you know, knowing that oftentimes the Lord uses headlines to uh, speak a, a prophecy and will often use events in the news or, you know, on the national stage to actually convey a message. I just really got the sense that the Patriots were going to win, but that it was more than just who's going to win the football game, that who is going to win the football game is the message to the country about who's going to win when it comes to our culture war. So that's, that's interesting. And you're saying that you, that message, the clarity of that message came over time, not in the very first moment that you received that word. Right. Yeah. Because it's like on the practical level, hey, there's only two football teams. One of them's going to win. You get a 50-50% shot at it. So even if you're not right, you can still be right. So let me take that a step further then. When you felt like you'd had the Lord, uh, a word from the Lord regarding that the Patriots would win, you were relating it to the Patriots of the country, but it was still being used, uh, if you will, the message of the Super Bowl. And the message you got was that the Patriots were going to absolutely dominate and blow out the Atlanta Falcons. Is that, is that right? No. Yes. And no, that they were going to like dominate and blow it out. No, just that they were going to win and that their win would be assigned to the Patriots of the nation that we would win. But as I sat down to finally jot down the notes and the message, it just kind of blossomed. There were details that came out that I was not aware of during those two weeks. Can I go ahead and just read the exact prophetic word that you, that you wrote down? Certainly. So I'm just going to read it verbatim. For Sean Griffin posted on Facebook, Super Bowl. I don't watch sports or keep up with any. By the way, that's a shame. This year, it's being played 19.1 miles from my house at the birthplace of the infamous wardrobe malfunction. That being said, there is something on my heart about the outcome of today's game. The Patriots, like the U.S., have made some bad choices recently, scandalous in description. God is nowhere near finished with the U.S. The Super Bowl will be a metaphor for the condition of our land, a sign. 
The Falcons will score early, and the game will be hard fought. Many times the Patriots will be cut off. In the last few minutes, something unusual for the Super Bowl will take place, and the Patriots will win narrowly. Sean, what happened in that Super Bowl? Well, given the fact that I didn't actually watch it, (laughs) I did turn on the last couple of minutes of the broadcast because there was something I wanted to watch after that. So I turned it on to see how close we were. And we were already in overtime. It only took about maybe two minutes to realize that the prophecy had already come to pass because the sports announcers were just, they were talking about all kinds of different records that had been broken during the game, but they were, wow, nothing like this has ever happened. It's like overtime is not uncommon for football, but it has never taken place in the Super Bowl. I was like, oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Well, as a football fan, I want to add a little bit to this because I remember that game. There's several things I remember about it. Number one, I believe the Patriots are down 28 to three late in the third quarter. No team had ever come back. So if we're talking about a metaphor for the Patriots, for the Patriots of our country, the people who love God and love country, there are times when it can look bleak. And it certainly looked bleak for Tom Brady and the, and the New England Patriots. They were down 28 to three, but they did. They fought back. They went into overtime. They ultimately won in overtime, all those things having never happened. There was something else that really bothered me. And I, I say it a little bit teasingly, Sean. I know that you have a history of hearing from the Lord and being accurate. And when I saw your post on February 5th, 2017 at 4.38 p.m., two hours before the Super Bowl, I was torn inside because I hate the Patriots. And I knew, <laughs> I knew when you posted that, if you'd heard from the Lord, it was going to happen. And as soon as the Patriots started coming back in the game, I went, dang it, Sean was right. And it just blew me away. It absolutely blew me away. Two hours before kickoff that you posted this. Mm. Oh, I, uh, I have to admit, that, uh, man, this is getting to me. I know. I, I, I know it's hard and I, I appreciate your vulnerability. I, I know what you're feeling because when you just, when you recount the times that the Lord has touched you in a deep and intimate way, it is, it is emotional. It is experiential. And it's something that you'll never forget. I'm suspecting well, that's what you're feeling right now. You have pointed out something that I didn't realize, even though this was, what, four years ago, five years ago now, I didn't realize the details about the rest of the game, because, of course, I didn't watch it, but that they were that far behind. And if that isn't a description for where we are right now, I don't know what is. We turn on television and we hear, you know, It just looks like our country is sinking like the Titanic. And then you recall something that I didn't realize uh, that happened on that day, that they came from behind. Impossibly behind. Historically behind. Yeah. And many people called it a miracle. A miracle that they ended up winning. I want to, you know, as we talk to our listeners, how can they take hope? out of this word? Well, given the fact that it was a few years ago, 
we firmly believe that the Lord birthed this nation. Our laws, our government rests on biblical principles. It was biblical principles that uh, biblical principles were used to put together the pieces and the structure of our country. So we have the things of the spirit undergirding our nation, despite the fact that we have people who, though they do not understand what they are doing, are actually working to dismantle it. We have that hope because he is our resurrection. And the fact that you pointed out the timing of this podcast and, and the recording, the disciples thought it was over. It was O-V-E-R when Jesus gave his last breath and gave up the ghost. That's right. It, it was the ultimate game over. They left. They scattered. Oh, my gosh. And yet Sunday's coming. We have the ability to go to the point of death. And yet with the power of God, he can raise us up again. And that's, that's what I believe is the heart of this particular prophecy, is that he can revive and wake America up, especially awaken her to her God-given destiny and her birthright. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of The Grid. And I want to make a special thanks to our sponsor, Midwest Glass, the Southwest Michigan leader in glass and mirrors. Give them a call today at 269-428-4464 or go to midwestglass.com. That's midwestglass.com or 269-428-4464. Don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Kuhlman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot.